This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from Third Eye with mentions of Buffy, Supernatural, Legendborn, and The Magicians. For full list, please see show notes. Everybody and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the fantasy literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are discussing Third Eye by Felicia Day. And Felicia Day, like Gary Oldman, has been <laughs> in our lives, in my life, Jess, and in your life, I think way longer than anybody really realizes. Uh, Felicia has been in everything for a long time. Jess, when did you first encounter Miss Felicia Day? See, I thought it was in 2008 with Dr. Horrible sing-along. But then you reminded me that, no, longer than that, she was Violet in Buffy the series. So that was in 2003. So clearly, it's like what she's one of those people in Hollywood who she's in everything. She's been working. We even looked up her IMDb before we started recording and we're like, she hauled ass during the pandemic, constantly doing voiceover work too, and her books and her podcasts and the con scene. She doesn't quit. <laughs> yeah, she is consistently booked and busy. Uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along. Absolutely fantastic. Yes, Felicia does sing. It is not fair to be so multi-talented. Pass some talent to the rest of us, please. <laughs> it, it is just not fair to have all of it. Uh, Felicia has been like a character actress, I think you can say, in a lot of shows. She's been in like House, The Magicians. Just oh my God, I forgot she was in The Magicians. Everything. She's, if, Eureka. Eureka is my love. I love her in Eureka. And Eureka is where I first encountered Will Wheaton as an adult. See, you have so, you really like brought me into all of these uh, fandom worlds. And I mean, can, can we really talk about fandoms and the world that Felicia's in without mentioning Supernatural? Which she puts a nod in in this book mentioning the Winchester house. And I'm sorry if I sound echoey. I'm traveling and I'm not in where I normally record. But uh, you just, everything, she was just like doing nods to fandoms, nods to fantasy, like all the cliche cliche stuff that we joke about together. Where do you begin? How do you begin? You've had so many experiences with so many of the cast in this, in this book. Like, Tell, share, because you even said you're like, you experienced adult Will Wheaton. There, there were, you know, you have so much to share and so much wealth of knowledge and stories. You know, honestly, between the two of us, I think we have a lot to share. But uh, as we like to be on Akafe, 
That is consistent. We are consistent <laughs> here. Always meet your idols. Always meet your Always idols. Always meet your idols. It is so important. I know. If you followed our, if you've listened to our con episode, you would know this. We've probably sprinkled it in if you've been following for a while. Um, but it, as much as the popular saying goes, never meet your idols. We are so clear on the exact opposite. You should meet the people that you adore and admire and because it's not always going to pan out the way you think. Yeah. Make sure that they are the type of people that you want to support and get to know them. Not in a creepy stalker way, but in a did you have a really good interaction with them at a con kind of way? Because you can tell the energy. You can tell the vibes. You can tell if they're just tired or if they're kind of a shitty, creepy person. You can tell that from a very quick interaction at a con. So very quickly before we get into third eye, uh, always meet your idols. I have met Will Wheaton. I have met Felicia Day. I have met Sean Astin. I have not met Weird Al. Random. We still don't even know who he plays because we, so to read this, it is only in audio book form through Audible and not sponsored, not not sponsored, sponsored, not sponsored. So at the end of the credits, they say like, they go through who, you know, the cast of who played what and like the main characters. And then they list off a bunch of other cast, but not who the characters, not who those cast members were, who they played. So when they mentioned Weird Al, Weird Al we're thinking, who? Because then we both did a reread and we still didn't pinpoint anything. <laughs> no, still don't know. Still don't know. Uh, Alan Tudyk, of, I've met Alan Tudyk. I have hey, had, hey, 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 I've had uh, encounters and like interactions with all of them. I have like had a conversation with Felicia. She is lovely. She is wonderful. She is the nicest person in the world. Will Wheaton, also incredibly nice. Sean Astin, of course, the most gentleman of gentlemen, the most wonderful, sweetest, like, I don't know, like mashed potato man. You just want to like, like, Mm, he's just so lovely and wonderful. And it's consistent, too, because it's not just one con that you've been to where you've met them, too. You've had different interactions at each one and that each one has been so much fun and still like and, and still consistently like pleasant. And it gives you like a good barometer also that you have gone to so many. So if they were having an off day, you would you would like you said, you're like, this isn't like them, like something. I mean, they're putting a brave face on but there's something else going on and specifically and i will say this before we get into third eye and then we can because it will just go nicely i have for visual aid a picture in my hands of myself and sean astin and if you look at it and we'll post these on the yeah we'll post these on the podcast accounts too but if you look at it, he's a young man in this picture. Like, look at <laughs> look at this so young baby. man. Look at this baby. Baby Sean. Oh my god. Um, I have a post-it over on my face for reasons. Um, but if you read this, his um signature, it says, Laura, it's us. So this signature <laughs> was taken in 2022 when I presented this to him. And this picture was taken uh in Philadelphia. Uh, I can't read the year. 2014. 2014 in Philadelphia. That's what it says on my badge. Always wear your badges to get the dates. So oh. fun, fun facts here. Wonderful both times. Which I love about this one, too, because you were in the process of trying to get an, a personalized autograph for somebody that we both know. Um, and he was like, I'm really not 
personalizing, um, you know, his hand, hands cramp. These things are long and it's not just one day his for handler, him. His handler says that he's not personalizing. So his handler says that. And there, there's there's a lot of BTS that goes with the handler, too. Yes. Um, but so his handler says that they're not personalizing and he made it a point to personalize that to you. He well, he was so tickled by this. He was just like, <laughs> oh, because I, I slapped it down in front of him. I was like. Look how young we look. He he just went, oh my god! Look at look at me! Look at me! Look at you! Look at us! And then he goes, look at us! It's us. So then that's that's the story. That's the look story. at us. Okay. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? <laughs> well, not me. Would have thought that this cast list of Third Eye would exist, but it seems that Felicia just like pulled in all her famous friends. And she has more famous friends than this, which is incredible. Like. <laughs> Like, she has so many famous friends that are not in this. It just goes to show that good people surround themselves with good people. And that's exactly what she did here for Third Eye. And a fantastic example of good people, good people. Just tell me who this fantastic good narrator is because, oh, my God. So we have Neil Gaiman, who is narrating the whole thing. But what's interesting with this book format is that it's not written like your typical book because of this full cast dialogue. It's written like a script. It's almost like you had a movie playing on in the background and you just never looked at the screen. Um, You learn each person has their own voice. Nobody's playing multiple characters. Um, And I mean, again, this is going, this isn't sponsored, but we've talked about Hachette audio being like elite in their sound effects and having an audio book experience. This matched that if not went beyond. Oh, yeah, I think well and beyond. Yeah. The sound effects here, fantastic. The music, the building. Crowds cheering, like whooshing. Oh, it was so fun. Yeah, like deep sound effects. And the transition, there are natural like commercial breaks and natural like end of like chapter outro music. It's It's just very fun. And it is... Very different than anything I think we have covered on Akafe, which, again, is amazing. I I love finding new things. We did this kind of on a lark, and it ended up being just fantastic. Spoiler, I guess. I really like this. No, absolutely. I think, you know, I remember I had texted you when I first started, and you said, you know, I'm going to start tomorrow. And I was like, I think it's it has potential. It's not what I was expecting, but in a good way. Um, and then the reread is just as fun. Um, like, like Laura said, we didn't plan this. We were just kind of going with like what our time was. Um, I was traveling, but we had, we had our, our, our own personal constraints going on. We're like, well, what about this one? This might, we've been talking about this. It's kind of out there. It only was just released in October. It kind of hits the loose check marks that we were hoping to cover on the podcast. Um, and you know, it's always fun fun when you you don't know what you're going into and you're and nobody talks about it i have yet to hear anybody really talk about it but if you go on like and i don't want to say go on goodreads because i don't even think that's like a good rate but just to hear the conversations involved i I haven't seen it yet and yet and yet she did a full press promotion because 
over the holidays, I was listening to several podcasts with uh, editor Sam on our drive, and she was on them. And she was she was pushing this book. She was pushing, you know, everything. So she she really was. And Jess, I know that you saw like a huge ad for this book as well in an airport. Yeah, I was tra- like you said, I was traveling and I was listening through the reread, and then I'm like, a huge like floor to ceiling audible ad with her face and it was a triple take because of the timing um that i was looking at this and knowing that it was her but i go no way no way it's the timing and it was and it was great and again like we'll post this on our socials um and then right at the bottom of her giant face and it was a giant uh it, it is is the book and it was just such a fun way um and and you know by the end of this we hope that uh you decide to make that decision and listen to it yourself too or request it or even request it from your library i don't know the nuances not for sponsored, all of that not sponsored no, oh my not god sponsored. not sponsored yeah not sponsored <laughs> but like request it from your library because like shit's expensive honestly <laughs> yeah and this is super fun and like famous people right neil gaiman oh my god neil gaiman neil gaiman is the narrator through this book which i read at 2.0 don't really recommend that for, to enjoy it uh fully because the sound effects are amazing but Neil Gaiman, this is very like a uh, hitchhiker's guide type narration, very funny, witty, uh, in and out, kind of um, setting the vibes and <laughs> very dry. And he also breaks the, the he breaks the fourth wall a bit. <laughs> I don't even know. So, OK, okay. so I guess we'll continue with the cast that we have going on. So we have Neil Gaiman as the narrator. We have Laurel Pettigrew. She is our chosen one FMC. Um who fought the big bad at 15 only to flash forward 15 years later. So she's now 30 for most of the book. Uh, And lo and behold, she did not fight well. She failed. So this is kind of the hero's journey post failure. And it's, and everything that kind of involves around that. And, you know, we'll kind of tap into it a little bit that, was it all chosen one? Was it all prophecy? Was it the prophecy misconstrued and it was supposed to be somebody else because that somebody else comes along and her name is Kate. She's the new 15 year old uh, who, spoiler, has part of Laurel's soul in her. So it kind of fucks everybody up and their own ideas of themselves. Um, we also have Sybil, who's a fairy. Tyvis is supposed to be the big bad. We have Laurel's mom. Frank is a vampire um, who has a brother named Vlad, uh, who does, who Vlad is Alan Tudyk's voice. Um, Robinus is another character who, that, is that Will Wheaton? No. That's Will Wheaton. That is Will Wheaton. Um, there's Charles, who's this normie who they keep, <laughs> Who they keep kind of like erasing his memory because they got like supernatural mystical power shit to deal with. Um, and there's a guidance counselor, Tracy, uh, who hooks up with Frank, um, and dies. And then necromancy is involved and comes back. Those are kind of, I think, all of our key players. I feel like I'm yeah. missing. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of characters, but those are like, those are the big ones. Uh, and, and before anyone asks, 
Uh, does this follow the pattern? I was going to say, we have to talk about the pattern. No prologue, but chapter one. Uh, chapter one, uh, y- yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so. I mean, not like hugely, but, it's you know. It's there. It's there. It's, it's, <laughs> it's all, you know, th- this is more fun. Like, yeah. You know, this is more vibes and fun. Uh, Neil Gaiman tells us, he, Neil Gaiman bil- builds our world. He builds our world. He tells us about a Laurel, uh, you know, magic school, having no childhood. This is all 30 years ago. Um, uh, this follows the pattern with the prophecy, right? The prophecy is like right here in chapter one. And the prophecy is what fucks everybody up because who created the prophecy? Our villain. It, it's she's. Yeah. The so, fe- do, do we want to say who sure, the villain go is? Ahead. The do it. villain is the mother. The mother set this up the entire time. She, she and everything was fake. There was no prophecy. There was she just kind of wanted the attention on her in a way, yeah. and she wanted to be able to say, "Well, like my daughter's the chosen one," and has orchestrated and facilitated everything regarding this prophecy, including the follow up kid. With part of the soul, she chose a baby at an orphanage and admittedly said, oh, yeah, I've been sneaking in your room every night for a month for, like, the last 15 years or, like, really the last seven years to be like, go see Laurel and all ominous about it to to get to the point at the end of the book where we have to fight Tyvus again. It's just it's just so much freaking fun it's so fun it's It's like so fun like honestly the only thing that the mom didn't orchestrate is giving or having laurel having the ability to use all five magics like laurel just had that like on her own and that so she was special here's the thing like this is a really quick read that very much explores what it's like to be set up for success and then fucking fail Right. And then like build yourself back up to like try, try again. And then like it to be really hard. <laughs> right. Like it, it's, 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 and to have mom be the villain is also very like this is a very millennial story. Like it's fine. Felicia is who she is. We love her. Um, Look, but, we're all working out our, yeah, our we're all working it out. childhood traumas. Yeah. We're all going through it. And like, it's just in the different ways. I mean, even the whole example of the whole Laurel was like, I'm no contact. I don't know why she's reaching out to my friends, but I have made an active choice to not be in contact with my mother to the point where even at some point they were just calling her the mentor. Uh, Laurel is like, this is my mentor. That is like my maker. That's not my mother. And that's how she didn't associate with. I feel like. I, I, I personally, if you've listened to past episodes, I love the open conversations that are happening with uh, people who are in no contact with their biological parents. What is fantastic here is actually the exploration of failure. You never, yeah. ever, ever read a book about someone who is built up to save the world and have it fucking fail. Yeah. You never get that. It's so much fun. And and Tybus, our big bad here, uh, essentially killed Laurel. Like yeah. he, they, the the light is like stopped from burning her at a subatomic particle and like allowed her mother to bring her back to life, like and to live in like shame for the rest of her life. Like 
Yeah, he goes, what should I do? Am I letting you live because I'm a really nice guy? Or is it because I want you to live with this and think about it every day? And he goes, it's the latter. And I'm like, oh, he's a good villain because that, um, like, psychological warfare can can wear on a person. And it does for Laurel because she self she self-doubts for the next 15 years because that's what's told of her. And, you know, and she failed. And because she failed, Tybus uh, took control of all magic in the world and that he controls all of it. And then you have to pledge allegiance to him and then he gives you magic. So, like, you don't have even if you were, like, born with magic, you don't have it anymore. You have to go kiss the ring literally and he will give you magic like it's like honestly evil system pretty good yeah pretty good the ring is called like a old i was gonna say phylactery phylactery i was gonna say olfactory and i was like no that's like your son's close though (laughs) your phylactery um and again like even start i mean think about starting at 15 years old everybody she comes in contact with knows who she is. They have like an annual tradition where they just like the, the you know, it's just a shame festival where they go like, Oh, let's, let's have our shame festival. Let's bring out our, you know, our person of honor, Laurel, because she's the reason y'all don't have magic and I control it all. Like it's a whole to do. They live for this. And then they drag her through like the weekly tabloids in their magic world of like, oh, she wore the same thing two years in a row. And she's so hyper aware. She knows she doesn't have a choice in not attending these. And there's five levels, uh, not levels, but like five types of magic, really. It's earth, wind, fire, water, and spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And and each... each uh type of supernatural creature has an affinity for one type and humans are special because they have the ability to have more than one type of magic affinity so and it could yeah it could be any of them but only one person so far um has had the affinity to have all of them not just one of them and it was laurel yep and ben had four yeah ben had yeah ben was like so ben is the ex well, it was like her high school boyfriend. And also he's a villain. Also, also a villain. as all her ex-boyfriends from high school are. <laughs> also the villain. Also the villain. Um, and he was like, oh, I have four magical powers. I'm so badass, as high school ex-boyfriend villains are. And she comes along and he got his ego bruised. Yeah. It's 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 really good. It, it's it's <laughs> so really good. Stop saying and smiling about it. It's so fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's let's just skim. Honestly, here's the thing. This is really fun, and the way that the cast has acted this is like us just talking about it. Like, can't really do it justice. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that uh, Jimmy Fallon, Justin Timberlake skit when they're just going back and forth making fun of each other. It looks so good. So good. <laughs> That's what we're doing because it it is really fun. <laughs> It's really fun. And like, I can't really describe Sybil. Like, she's just, she's, she's a fairy. She's a fairy. She's fun. She's all over the place. She's talking fast. She's just like, woo. And she's fairy, like, F A I R Y, not F A E I R I E. Yeah, she's got the wings. Like, and I feel like that also adds to the fantasy lore, too, that really like, you have to specify the type of fairy, fae, that you are invoking in these. 
floors. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So let, let's let's just let's just go over this briefly because it is more enjoyable. Here's my point. It is more enjoyable to listen to this than it is to hear us talk about it yeah. because the cast performances are amazing and like Sean Astin as Frank and Sybil have such a fun like chemistry dynamic that we just can't replicate it. But as we said, Laurel loses and because Laurel loses to type as all of the supernatural world has changed right we're divvying out the magic and this happens for 15 like so 15 years later this is still happening so she's been on 15 like shaming tours or whatever 15 shaming holidays and her life sucks and Will Wheaton who is uh in charge of that territory where she lives is also in charge of like as Robicus, Will Wheaton as Robicus uh, is in charge of keeping her low and like making sure she's not happy on top of doing like his territory. And he wants to like move up in ranks. He's just so funny. Will Wheaton is hilarious. He's just hilarious. But Will Wheaton as Robicus is in love with Sybil and they have a very fun like chemistry between them. It's, I just had so much fun with all of this. <laughs> the prophecy that Laurel's mom blackmailed. Uh, what's her name? D- Delia? Delia. Yes, Delia. So Delia, the Oracle, right? Yeah. She was blackmailed by Laurel's mother into putting out the prophecy. And Delia was then locked in a fortune telling machine yes so all of that to say that delia used to live in third eye which is the setting for most of the book and third eye is a old house with like rooms to rent upstairs and a psychic shop downstairs that delia used to live in so all her shit is in the basement and that plays like a big part later but part of the, just you said, good villain, our good villain, Tybus, says, oh, yeah, the, the prophecy that, like, you screwed up because you lost. Uh, you got to live in that house now. And you can't, like, like, leave there. You have to stay there. Again, he's about that psychological torment. He's like, and now you have to, oh, you lived here? You can't run away from your problems. You have to stay there and you have to stay with everything that you ha- I I don't know. He's a good villain. Yeah. And also, Ben... Your boyfriend, who was collateral damage in our fight, he is Crystal. You have to keep him and, like, look at him every single day, too. Who she has, like, if you watch Tay Arnold, she basically has him in this, like, Helga Pataki Arnold shrine and talks to him, like, I miss you. I'm such a fuck up. Like, she's like, I know you're dead. But, like, here are my feels. I'm having such a bad day. And I mock it that way because, again, another spoiler, he becomes unfrozen and he just says, I couldn't stop hearing your incessant whining and crying. And I'm like, could you imagine if it was that were you? You you would, 13th reason, honestly. Yes. <laughs> immediately, immediately, right there. He, he would be like, I was awake the whole 13th reason. He didn't have to finish. <laughs> the whole time. Didn't have to finish. She wouldn't have to finish the sentence. 13th reason. 13th reason. I love this. I love the self-awareness of this too, of, of this story because the, the trope is like, like 15 Kate Chen comes in like, Sybil, you're my hero. Look at all this stuff. I want to be like, I, you know, give me purpose. Give me like all of this. Um, 
And then later on, Laurel is like, oh my God, these tropes, like stop with these tropes enough. Like they're cheesy. Like it, the oh, self-awareness is very fun. But I do like the like young apprentice coming. It's just a good, it is a good trope. It, it's a great trope. And I think it's done well. I think when you can mock yourself about it and that's how it's set up, it doesn't feel like, oh, like we're, we're still going to read the one bed trope. We're still going to read all of these tropes that we love. Um, and we know that they're tropes for a reason, but the way it's mocked about in a loving way, because again, Felicia is a fangirl herself too. Like she knows it. There's no mockery to the fandom. It's, she's like, I get it because me too. <laughs> Yeah, Felicia, Felicia is deep in fandom. She, you know, we, we know she has her own Dragon Age video game YouTube where she is Talus. So we know that she's <laughs> deep in fandom and we love her for it. All right. Broad strokes, broad strokes. Just tell me what is going on in this book. It, I mean, it's really the adventure of finding, you know, apprenticing Kate knowing that she has these magic powers. We find out Kate is also half-demon. And kind of the journey of... uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a way. Kind of the journey of Laurel figuring out maybe she's... Maybe maybe the prophecy was wrong. It's somebody else. Um, And how maybe we can get to this person, like this person, Kate to train her and kind of get her up to speed to defeat Typhus. One of the, like, I feel like there's a lot of mini subplots that make up the overall plot. Oh, absolutely. Um, And I also think it's the, it's the journey that Laurel goes through of um, Kate being revealed to use all five magics, right? It's before they realize that her, her, that Laurel's soul shard is in her. And Kate is using all five magics and the relief that Laurel has that she is not the chosen one. Like in that moment, she's like, oh, my God, like I'm not the chosen one. Like it's not me. Like like someone it was else, someone never else. supposed to be. Yeah, it was never supposed to be me. There's like but she also has the panic attack because and she's like, but it isn't me. Then what what am I? Who am I if it's not me? Because I think the main overarching theme of this whole book is purpose. Yeah. Because what what does Kate say? She's like, give me purpose. Like, yeah. I don't fit in with my family. She's, you know, in foster care. I don't fit in at school. I have this. I'm like half demon. I have this. I don't have purpose. Show me where I belong. Because even later in the book, when, when uh, you know, magical things happen, thing, you know, Laurel gets that soul part of her out of Kate into her. Kate's a mess too. Leading up until that point, she goes, I don't want to go like, please don't take this soul out. I don't want to not have a purpose. I don't want to be the person who I was before. Ooh, ooh, but that's a, that's a really good like plot point. And so let's, let's talk a little bit about, before that, before we talk about that, because that is such a good scene. That was a good the, the, scene. Like, the fade oh, away, the yeah, everything, like, everything oh, about that scene good. was like really good. Really good, really good. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk about the fact that before we find out that Kate has Laurel's soul shard inside of her, before we find out that plot point, Kate is just like 
going around and every time Laurel touches her, Laurel gets these visions. Yeah. And and it's the only magic that like Laurel has had in like 15 years. And she's like, how is this happening? What is going on? I really need to take care of Kate. But then again, kind of like overarching plots, Laurel really struggles with like, I am a failure. Who am I to be any sort of like mentor to this girl who might tell her what to do or do anything, which makes the soul shard scene even more interesting, I think, later. Um, but Jess, you mentioned some subplots. Let's just bang out these subplots. I think they can be told like just very quickly. Frank is how would he's a vampire who drinks human blood. But he doesn't like, have teeth. He doesn't have teeth. He's balding. Was that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Vlad is like, I got all the good looks. Um, he's basically like doing the Vampire Diaries thing and doing blood bags. Um, and he he's also kind of lost in who he is as a demon in a way. He hasn't loved in forever. Um, he's and, and he comes across the guidance counselor who is Kate's guidance counselor. Um and picked up on the fact that not necessarily that Kate was half demon, but things would happen when she would get emotional because Kate didn't have control of her rage. So she put her in uh, like juvie all for a safe, all for safety. That's really what it came down to because she knew um, Kate is um, she, she was in, she was in the system. She had multiple foster families and she goes, juvie would be the place that she would have the most stability. Um, so really, Tracy, the guidance counselor, is the only one who had Kate's back in her life. Uh, and Frank falls in love with with Tracy, uh, all for Tracy to die. And then they use magic to bring her back to life. And that's another subplot of how we're going to keep Tracy alive because of necromancy. And Frank hasn't had love in like years and they both have like really dry humor and he's like utterly obsessed with her because tracy's like ooh, i like this guy he gets like my morbidity and my dark humor i'm gonna fuck him and now he's like he he's whipped <laughs> yeah and and he's he he is so funny because uh, you know alluding to the pattern a little bit earlier on in the story, Frank is just like, you know, and I'll just never feel that again. I'll just never feel like this, this stirring again. And his whole plot is, you know, the rekindling of his heart and like, you know, everything that happens with Tracy. It, it is it is very fun. And like Tracy and their story will connect with the soul shard. So that's fun. Uh Briefly touching on Robicus. Robicus is a Greek god who has lost his power. It's very American gods. It's very Neil Gaiman. It's very Neil Gaiman. <laughs> it's a Greek god who's lost his powers because there aren't any more worshippers of him, which is the whole fucking plot of American Gods written by Neil Gaiman. And <laughs> BT dubs. And he Robicus is in love with Sybil and they have shenanigans together. They're fun. They are just the best. No, that was at the beginning where Sybil or was it Frank where she was like we never dated. And he's it's like, just a hook up. he's like, it was just a hookup. You, uh, you only took me on. He's like, I, I, I took you on 75 dinner dates. You met my we family. We went to Cabo. Yeah. We, like all this stuff. We did these things. And she's like, yeah, but fate, fate, fairy timeline. So much different. Like that's foreplay. 
they have a whole very fun scene where they have to like wipe his memory kind of <laughs> and there's a involving a horse mask it's just very fun it which is funny God, again, uh, the horse mask is funny. If you have seen The Guild by Felicia Day, that is an in-joke to Will Wheaton's character uh, in The Guild. It's not a horse, but bark, bark. It's close. It's it's good. It's all very good. They've been friends for a very long time. So all of this is is just friends hanging out. Well, that's so fun because I feel like if you're like a longtime stan for all of them and all of their projects, it's such a great like Easter egg for fans. Uh, but for me, who I haven't seen some of those, some of the things that they're both in, um, I could still appreciate it as a whole. But it's the, you know, when we talk about Cassie Clare and her little Easter eggs and we're like, we're bitches. Give like give us all the crumbs, um, give us all the Easter eggs. It adds to the experience, but and it doesn't take away for somebody who might be new to it. Doesn't take away from somebody that might be new of it. I love this uh, fairy lore about Sybil. Right, Sybil is a princess of the Fae. She was a bad friend. Okay, let's just call it what it is. She was a bad friend. Sybil is a bad friend. And she felt guilty, so she stayed where she was on, like, Earth or whatever when Tybus closed the door to the realms. And what Sybil finds out is that Tybus sucked those realms dry of magic and closed the doors so that those realms will eventually fade into nothing. And Sybil, on this side, like, the the human side of the the portal, fey portal, uh, will eventually... I experienced the dimming, which I thought was just like a really nice detail to throw into here, the dimming. And she, Sybil, is like really spurred on when she learns that like she can't, like her family might really be in danger. Like she needs to get back. Faye is in trouble. Like she's a princess. She can do something. I mean, she's she's very flighty. She is very fun. Um, But she does like get her purpose by the end of this story, which is great. And I think at some times you can say like Kate calls Sybil out on some of the things. A lot. Which is is nice because Sybil is so quick to like, I don't know, go against anybody. I mean, somebody says the sky is blue. Sybil will argue that for some reason. Um, But Kate was like, no, you were a crappy friend. You say you're friends with these people. You're only looking out for yourself and you're looking for an excuse and you're not holding yourself accountable. And it does add to finding that, that Sybil adding, having Sybil find her purpose. Um, in how she, like, she wants to be more helpful. She, and, and genuinely so that it puts, the rest of the the characters on alert. Like, she's like, oh, this is, I really do think this is going to be a good idea. And everybody immediately was like, what is wrong with her? And this also means we should do the exact opposite. Yeah. And later when she's kind of called on it, she's like, I don't know, when Kate got mad at me when I was house-sitting her and she threw me and locked me in the closet with Ben, it brought up a lot of stuff about how I'm a bad friend and like, and how my excuse of how Laurel was chosen so she could go to the final battle herself, I wasn't chosen, doesn't really hold up. Because, like, Ben went with her. Of course, we know Ben is, like, kind of evil. But all of this, all of this, uh, I love that you say that Kate calls her out because Kate also calls out Laurel. when oh, Laurel, yeah. yeah, she calls out Laurel a lot. 
Um, and Sybil also calls out Laurel, too. Because when Laurel is just like, oh, my life sucks so bad, uh, Sybil's like, okay, we understand enough. But, like, are you going to do something about it? Or are you just going to be a sad sack the whole time? Well, guess who else? I mean, I'm, we, we, we don't like him. He's evil. But ex-boyfriend, dead boyfriend, when he gets undead, yeah. unfrozen, he does the same thing. He goes, all you did was complain for 15 years about you being a failure instead of, like, pivoting to a different part of the conversation and you harped on that yeah and and when laurel is like kind of like you know training right she's like training kate and then eventually um we have the soul shard we have the soul shard scene which we'll talk about it but right uh, right after that laurel unfreezes ben right that's how he unfreezes and she's like, no, you don't understand, Kate. Like, magic is a burden. And then Laurel gets upset, unfreezes Ben. And Kate is just like, what the absolute fuck, dude? Like, what? You're going to, like, scream at me and tell me that I can't do this. And, like, magic is this and I need to do this. And then all of a sudden, when it's convenient for you and you're emotional, you're just going to, like, pop, pop and, like, do it on your own. Like, fuck you. Because, because, let's talk about the removal of the soul shard. Soul shard. She, well, she doesn't. There's no consent here. No, no. That's that's why um, Kate is all upset. She was like, "No, don't take this from me." And explicitly says, "No, do not take this from me." Yes, there's an all and and Laurel still does it, and even her apology after is kind of half-assed. It was very like. You know how I get when I'm emotional. That's basically what Laurel does. And granted, like, we do have some self-awareness. Well, I don't know if it's self-awareness. We learn through our narrator, Neil Gaiman, that he's like, Laurel is treating Kate the same way that Laurel's mother treated her. So the psych- instead of being like, okay, here's my childhood trauma. I don't want to do this. She's doing it the exact way that she knows. Yeah. So Laurel's like, oh, okay. Like you don't, you don't, you don't want to give me the soul shard. Okay, pop, pop, pop. And she takes it, and she takes it, and then Laurel has access to all of her magic. And Kate, it only has her demon magic with fire and her like demon genetics. Like they all have like their own physical like traits and stuff. And that's a huge fucking violation that I think is kind of glossed over, uh, you know, and, and Kate is like rightfully angry, but I would be angry for way longer, way longer. And I would bring it up and, and twist that knife way more than she does. Well, she what does. The fuck? I, well, yes. Um, and that's why we have our episode that we get to discuss it. Um, but, and, but in a way Kate does, cause she does go to Robicus to say like, Hey, Remember all the stuff that Laurel told you? She was fucking lying. Let, you know, she stood on business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Robicus is like, all right, bet, 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 bet. Let us, let's get set for the shame ceremony. And, uh, you know, BT types, you're a demon. You should go back. But there's an apprentice situation. We love, we love all of this. We love all of this. Well, and to add to, well, I guess like to backtrack a little bit, even when Laurel eventually apologizes to Kate, Kate's like, so I fucked up. Thanks for your apology. But she's, I mean, it's said constantly in the mo- in the dialogue too. Kate, Kate will be like, I'm the 15 year old. Why am I the one who's the most 
insane out of everybody. Why am I like, I'm supposed to be the one with my hormones everywhere and I'm the most staple. So then like in this moment, you know, Neil is like, so Kate did what a normal 15 year old would do when they're hurt and frustrated. And honestly, I probably would have done the same if you really fucked me over. Yeah, she's like, I had magic. I was chosen. You took it from me. Like, why did you do this? Like, it it is it is just really good stuff. Really excellent, excellent, excellent shit. And I like then the idea that, well, I guess, I guess it's more than an idea. It's a stone cold fact that when Kate did magic to raise Tracy, she and the zombies. And the zombies. Can't forget about the zombies. Uh, Her magic was flawed because it wasn't really hers. So when Laurel has her magic back, she is unable to fix Tracy because the spell that was used to raise her was indeed flawed. So it's like a whole kind of like fix, you know, closed circle situation there. And that's why uh, Tracy eventually goes to Vlad and gets put into a soul box. Right. She's into a soul box and um, kept until she can go back to Faye to get her own body, which that does happen. Tracy gets a body in Faye and uh, Frank and her are very happy. Close that plot out. Fun. Just just fun. Um, Let's talk about mom being the villain, because mom being the villain and our final like um, push, I think, is is a good way to end this. I mean, did you see, did you see any of this coming on the reread when when I recognized the mom's voice as the woman going in to get the dream catchers with Kate? I was like, oh, that's the mom. That's that's the mom. What the fuck is she doing here? OK, I'm glad you said that, because the second time I reread it, I was like, why does this sound like the same person? This and then I was like, oh no, this is some tourist. For, in my, even in my second reread, I'm like, oh, this is another tourist person. But initially, I yeah, I definitely was like so confused. I I still disregarded it the second time. I was like, this sounds like the same exact person. But I guess like this is just person number A, like character A. I didn't consider them in the second read, but I was definitely more alert. Like this sounds exactly the same again because of the way it's casted. Yep. And I think if you want to go by pattern, when um, Laurel says like, oh, my God, my mom's texting me like, ew, why does she text me? She never texts me. That could also be, you know, like, why would that? Like, like why, why now? And why, why now? are you chasing like, my yeah. friends? And you find out she was like, you weren't talking to me. I had mm-hmm. to make sure all these things were being set up. So she was going through the friends. She was setting up uh, Kate. Kate was like, oh, I know you. You were the one who told me to go talk to your daughter. Yep. Yep. It's all it's all so good. It's all so good. Okay. Kate is angry at Laurel. Kate teams up with Ben, who's also like annoyed with Laurel. They and they have like an alliance, but it's a betrayal. Mm-hmm. And they go to the shaming ceremony where all of, where this final battle is going to take place. And then Ben betrays Kate by saying, I'm going to suck you dry by using a battery. That battery spell is planted a couple times throughout the story. So by the time we get here, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because it's mentioned earlier on in the book. Uh, that's a betrayal. And, and Tybus, like, right? Like, Tybus shows up, like, mom is there. Let's, let's talk about this, this final battle, Jess. I liked the final battle in the sense that, so we know the, I kept, I was going to say Olfactory, Falfactory. 
Phylactery. Phylactery. Thank you. Phalanges phylactery. Phylactery. So there is a phylactery. Uh, Laurel's mom has a phylactery of sorts on a necklace. So Ben is trying to do this, like, defeat this final battle situation without a phylactery. And again, after this betrayal... These characters are better than I because they were like, no, Ben, like you have, like, even though we're really angry with you, you're going to die if you do this. And he's like, I can do whatever I want. And I just think like, just let him die. Like, why? Like he was, he was crappy, whatever. Um, But so Laurel, once again, now she has her full, full soul in place is going to defeat Tyvis with the phylactery. Um, and she was gonna let she was gonna let Tyvus go. And I love that she was like, we have choices. Everybody's getting their magic back, by the way. And she's like trying to do this hero's speech of like, we're gonna let you live. And the whole crowd was like, kill him, kill him. Oh, sorry, Jojo. Woke <laughs> her up. Um, kill him. And I loved it. And everybody used their powers that they got, they had back. They're like, they were just throwing spells. They were throwing anything to burn him to ash. It's so good. It, we're not, it, we're really so not giving fun. it justice. You have no, to listen no, to it. You, you really do. Like, it, it's just, it's good. The thing that I love here is that, uh, I say Felicia, Laurel confesses to everybody that Ben, a man, is the reason that she screwed up and the reason that the world ended because she deflected the spell from Tybus. She deflected it onto Ben. And then that made her panic. And she forgot the like end part of the big spell, which allowed Tybus to defeat her. So this boy, this man in the way, in the way, uh, was the reason that the world like ended and she like had that inside of her. She's like, oh, it wasn't. Mm, I actually, it was her I actually did it. And he was also like, I can't believe you did that. And honestly, fuck off. I was trying to save the world. Yes. Like, you decided to come. Well, then there's the argument. Like you decided to be here. I was in like survival fight or flight mode. So I, you can't. I don't know. You can't really hold somebody accountable in end of the world, fight or flight. I need to like, especially if your entire life you've been told you are the chosen one, you're the only one to do this. Everybody else does become collateral damage at that point because the hero's journey, what, what is the, what do we talk about with the heroes and the villains? It's, you know, the hero will, will give up everybody to save the world, but the villain would like, tear down the world to save to save you she was giving up ben to save the world makes sense to me there's kind of a a lord of the rings reference here because um tybus is uh, a hand right gets cut off and it you know it's like flying through and it has the ring on the it ring and the is ring on the is hand. the big thing yeah. like you know and then the ring disintegrates you know and then they it's very lord of the rings it's very fun because sean asks it's very funny it's all fun um mom gets sent to hell that's also very funny um with magic coming back um i, I just there's also a self-awareness here, too, because when they're having this conversation with Tybus and they're like kind of monologuing a bit, again, we're not doing it justice, but Tybus is like, no, Kate, I'm your father. Kate's like, what? He's like, no, are you serious? Nah, nah, nah. He, that was funny, though. I was, 
laughing. He was like, I'm your father. And I was like, I guess. I was like, he would be. And then when he goes, just kidding. How cliche would that be? I was so fun it's he's so, like that again, he's like it promotes like gen, that promotes like genetics and like breeding it's like it's not about like we don't for that's weird it's like that's a weird the daughter <laughs> trope is weird and gross it was just so funny it was like so an funny. unexpected i was like oh my gosh it's like neil gaiman when he breaks the fourth wall and he's like um you know who wrote this like i'm an author i can do this like let me do this <laughs> it's just very 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 funny it's very funny of course he said tracy's getting her new body in the fae um there's this whole subplot of charles trying to go on a date with laurel and he keeps getting mind wiped um but that you know comes to fruition at the end you know we love that for them they are going to the winchester house (laughs) and she is slowly what's the quote slowly losing the stink of failure and she's trying to like rehabilitate ben um and I, I just, I, I really like this. And, and it is fun then to think of this as a self-contained story a little yeah. bit. Um, but also this was clearly in my head written for TV, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I feel like the whole, I, 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 we say book, but it's written very much like a script. I can't imagine having a physical copy of this book, it would really need to be in script form. Um, Could you see it as a one-off? I mean, I feel like it could go both ways. She could keep writing one-offs like this with different concepts, or she can expand this just as light, just as fun. Um, it, It was an interesting way to tackle these deeper themes. It really was. Oh, we should also mention Robicus gets killed. R.I.P. Robicus. R.I.P. Will Wheaton. Uh, you're a real one. He did try to help Sybil. We love, we, I just, I just really like that. Sybil. And then Sybil realizing that maybe it was really love, right? Her yeah. whole fairy thing. Oh, her, I mean, she's dramatic all the time, but then her sobbing. Is that what love is? I was in love. <laughs> It's just so funny. It's so funny. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I could. I could see lots of things with this. What I want to say very briefly is that this was a very interesting audio experience and one that I very much enjoyed. However, editor Sam uh, hated this audio experience. Really? He hated it. He was listening. He said that it was so involved that it was not able to be tuned out. So like if I didn't have headphones on and I was just like I was in a place like doing something and it was just loud enough, the sound effects and the different voices and everything was enough that he was deeply distracted from everything that he was doing. And he asked me to wear headphones a lot when I was reading. So like in a way that like you can't multitask like he was like you have to focus on this book. And also to say that this could be overstimulating to some because there is a lot like going on, especially in a, if you're not wearing headphones in that situation, it could just be a lot. So I think that is also something to look out for, but good quality audio recordings like this, more of them, please more in the audio, like uh, the world, like give them to us more audio arcs. Of course, we always harp on that, but, um, this was such an enjoyable little gem from someone who I feel like 
uh, this is just me. This is an I statement. I feel like Felicia has been a part of my life for such a long time that when she has these projects come out or when I see her as like a character actress on a show, I'm just like, oh, there's my friend, even though like I don't know her. But I've had pleasant experiences with her. I've had pleasant experiences with her friends like people that I know are her friends, like, and I've met those people. Those people are very lovely. So good people, good people, very fun. And she's booked and busy and we love that for her. And what a fun little audio find. Again, not sponsored. Oh my God. I cannot stress that enough. Yeah, no, it's just, it was this, you know what? The last time I feel like we had a random read was probably like when we were like, well, what are we doing? How do we, how do we position this? Um, was legend born. And that was such a fun surprise that came out of nowhere when we pivoted for um, when we DNF'd one book and pivoted to that one. So to, to just kind of pull this out of thin air um, and it's fun. It's like six hours at speed. Um, Laura, you said you read it too. I kind of bounced between 1.5 and 1.7. So, I mean, you're really finishing. It's great for a car ride. You know, I think if, if you're on like a long car trip, put it on. And like Laura said, have you had any audiobook experiences this involved aside? Because I feel like we've never done a full cast, maybe Dune, but even then it's still very read as a book. Here's the thing. I don't usually love full cast stuff. I like the Harry Potter stuff. Obviously, that's like top tier. Of course, that's different. But like, mm, I don't really love the full cast audio fracatar. I don't really love it. I don't like the. I don't well, really we love know other effect. people who don't love it either. So mm. I don't really love it. So that's the thing. I think that it is. I statement. I statement. I think <laughs> that it is very easy for something like this to fall cheap, yeah. and for it to be like whoosh whoosh. Ooh, and that isn't the vibe. So it's it's more important, like if you're going to do something like this, then do it for the community, do it nice, do it big, do it high quality, right? Like, um, but no, Dune, I think is the only thing comparable that we've covered on the pod and the Hachette stuff. But the Hachette stuff and this is like, this is blowing it out of the water. Because yeah. this is, this like I said, it feels like they had to have had a script. Yeah, yeah, easily, easily. And I say Dune is an easily easier comparison because the Dune audio takes away the he said, she said, they said, you know, and it is more of a conversation. So you got to pay attention. With that being said, thanks for listening. Please feel free to join us on Instagram. We're at Acafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Acafe Laura and Acafe Jessica. Thanks so much. Uh, and we'll talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.